Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Easter. Anybody? Anybody but me? For those of you who need a good Easter egg hunt to go to today, the Scots are having a $300 Easter egg hunt. All cash. So that's where I'm going to be after lunch at my mother-in-law's house. It's a funny story uh, as the kids leave and we get kind of settled back in here. Um, I, I was severely disappointed. I, I eat really clean a good portion of the time these days. But there's holidays and some birthdays and some vacations. I, I do a lot of cheating and I consume a lot of sugar, among other things. And uh, so Christmas was one of those. And I was so excited for peanut butter pie that my mother-in-law makes. She makes this peanut butter pie that's just like out of this world, like literally heaven on earth in this pie. It's awesome. Well, I get to Christmas and I was like, there's no peanut butter pie. And I'm like, Wrong holiday. It's on Easter that the peanut butter pie is. So I've been looking forward to Easter since Christmas because that peanut butter pie today. So I, Nicole and I already have our day mapped out. We're going to go to our in -law, my in-laws and have a good dinner, have fun, be there with the kids, the Easter egg hunt. Then I'm taking a piece of pie to go after I eat one or two there. And tonight we're falling asleep on the couch after I eat a piece of peanut butter pie for the last hoorah. So anyway, it's awesome. I, it's called uh, treat yourself. Sometimes you just need to treat yourself. Any other parks and recreation fans in here? Okay. All right. Man, uh, what a, whew, whew, wow. This is amazing. Amen. Uh, we may not have the fanciest lights and technology. We may not have the $500,000 sound system. But I can tell this, we got Jesus. We got, we got spirit up in this place. And that's that's. That's worship. Like, listen, it's not about a light show. It's not about a bunny. It's not about a ch a chocolates or eggs. It's about Jesus. And he's alive, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave, that we can sit here alive and well. We can sit here celebrating him, celebrating his goodness. That's a miracle. A couple miracles today. Jesus is alive, and Aaron's got a tie on. Everybody with a tie, say Amen. All right, so the gospel is the good news, man. It's the good news. Good news is that God sent his only son, Jesus, to the earth, that he would go to the cross, that he would pay this price, that he would be crucified so that you and I can have life and life abundantly. All right, listen, the story goes that it's victorious. He's a winner, right? And we're his family. We're his bride, so that makes us winners. We, he's not a Jesus in a tomb anymore. He's not at a grave that we can visit. He's not pinned up on a cross still. Like Jesus is alive, and he gets to live inside us. So Nicole was talking about hope, the first service, and Christ in us, the hope of glory. So now I get to walk around alive, full of hope, full of joy, full of his power. Why? Because when he was up on that cross... Something happened. He's predicting to his disciples. He's predicting to the ones that he loves that, listen, I got to go away from you. I'm about to disappear. I'm about to fulfill the greatest miracle on the planet. I'm about to fulfill the greatest prophecies on the planet. But somebody's coming greater than I. Somebody that's going to empower you. Somebody that's going to comfort you and guide you. Somebody that's going to be poured out on all flesh. His name's Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is, is a person. Holy Spirit's a person. So anyway, he's up on the cross, and all of a sudden what happens is they poke Jesus' side. Now, this is an amazing demonstration of the prophetic act of what happened. Now, now Jesus had to die a different way than the criminals on the cross, than the thieves. There had to be another miraculous part about it. First off, he was sinless. He, he, had, he was without blemish. He who knew no sin became our sin, became our propitiation, became the place, the bridge that we could be connected back to the Father, back to the family. But here's the thing. When they removed the thieves from the cross, they broke their legs to finish them to death. Jesus was already dead. They didn't break his legs. Here's the other thing they did before they removed him from the cross. They poked his side. What poured out? Blood and water. Listen, God's not only welcoming us to the covenant and the blood that was shed for us for our purity and for, for what he paid for us, but he also poured out his spirit, water signifying the spirit being poured out on all of us. This is a good news message. This is the good news that, that we go to John 11 right here. 25 and 26 to start the message that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Everybody say resurrection. resurrection. And life. And life. It says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he says this, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Church, do we believe this today? That when we believe in Jesus, when we believe what happened, that the grave was found empty, that he arose, that he conquered death, hell, and the grave, that that wasn't just the end of the story at the crucifixion. It wasn't the end. Now listen, the resurrection came with a price. It cost Jesus something. Last week, we, didn't, we said on Palm Sunday, we wanted to talk about the pain and the suffering and the crucifixion. You know, I love to fast forward to get to the powerment of the resurrection. I love that. It's the icing on the cake. It's, it's, it's no other God has done this, right? But it came with a cost. It came with a price. He paid something for you and I to have eternal life, for you and I to have our sins forgiven. He was broken so we could be made whole. He paid so that we can play. Like he took on something so our transgressions, our sins, our iniquities could be disappearing in the very presence and nature of his goodness. So we get to he is the resurrection and the life. Now listen, I, I brought the door back on the stage. Seven years ago, I think today, we, we opened the new building just a few weeks after Easter seven years ago. And we've been here. It's, it's been a fun thing, fun journey, having two services now. We had three this week. We, 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 we've, we're expanding. We're doing these fun things. But, but I brought this door down. That was here. And the first message my dad spoke from this stage and, and from in the church was the I am. And as I get into this resurrection in life and I get into this story, I, I recall that that was the fifth time that Jesus and John said he is the I am. So the first one was in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 10, he says, I am the gate. In John 10, he also says, I am the good shepherd. Now, what we just read, I am the resurrection and life. And the sixth one is, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. In John 15, he says, I am the vine. Now listen, seven times he's saying he is the I am. Everybody say he was. He was. Everybody say he is. he is. And everybody say he will. he will. Listen, I am is a statement that it eliminates time. I am eliminates time to say it's eternity. He was, he is, and he is to come. 
See, listen, he is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He bridges time through the cross. Listen, the cross went back in time of all of history and grabbed everybody's sins and took them on himself. It also went ahead of time and everybody that was going to come before and after that time. And it took all of those sins and it buried them under the blood. The cross literally was a, was a transition of time before Christ and after death. It was a transition of time. The number seven means complete. The number seven means, means achievement. Listen, he created all the heavens and the earth. He created everything in it in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Our week is seven days. It's completion. I am seven times in John. This is the fifth, the resurrection of life. Seven times he says he is the I am. We go back to Moses in Exodus 3.14 in the Old Testament. Again, God's bridging the old with the new. But the cross became the answer for every problem. The cross became the solution to every issue. We no longer have to do blood sacrifices or animal sacrifices or wait for the day of atonement that a high priest can go to the Holy of Holies on our behalf. I get to go to Jesus with an all-access pass myself. Why? Because when he was on that cross, something began to shake. Something began to move. And the veil was torn from heaven to earth. Now, if you remember the tabernacle, if you remember the old system, what's happening was he removed the separation that now we get all access to the Father, all access to heaven, all access to Jesus Christ. We don't have to go through anybody else. He is the I am. So we go back to Exodus 3.14. It says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said this, says the, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. Listen, he was he is, and he still will. Jesus didn't stop doing miracles when he left the earth. Jesus didn't stop doing miracles when the disciples left the earth. Listen, there's, there's this fun thing that I love to study. There's a saying in the Bible, there's a verse that says that we'll never understand all the mysteries of Jesus. We'll never understand all these mysteries, right? But I say, isn't it fun trying? If we want to know his will, let's figure out his nature. And if we want to know his nature, let's figure out what he calls himself. 951 titles that God calls himself. He is the I am. He is the healer. He is the prince of peace. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is counselor. He is mighty one. He's all these things in one. He is everything. He is Yahweh. Like, listen, he is the I am. He's all of this. He's not just a judge waiting for us to mess up or waiting for judgment day just so he can send us to hell. He is a loving father called Abba. He is a friend that says he's closer than a brother. 951 natures of his goodness and only one is judge. Says he's loving and just. This is the Jesus that died for you. This is the Jesus that arose for us and he made it real and the tomb's empty. And today we celebrate a living God. <laughs> so good. We too, we get to share in this resurrection. Philippians 3.10 says this, that I may know him. Like, listen, we may not have a fancy light show here. I'm not ashamed of that. We may not have the best, the best sound technician who went to college for it. We get Andrew, who's way more amazing. We're not investing in buildings. We're investing in his presence and people. Like, it's not about a control system or a religion or an organization or a business. It's about his people. It's about a family. And the cross connects us back to the family for eternity. 
There's a, there's a, a new family that came recently, and they were through a mutual friend. And I said, well, what did they think about it? He's like, I asked him what they thought about Upper Room. And they said this, listen, all I know is this. I could tell those people love Jesus. I want to go through my life. I want to go through ministry. I want to go through being in a church that people walk in this store. They may think we're crazy. Ooh, they got, you got red banners flying in the air. You got art on the stage. This is, this is nuts. But they love Jesus. In the New Testament, it says Philip and, and Stephen were uneducated men, but you could tell they had been with Jesus. There's one thing that I want to be known as, that he's a man that loves Jesus. He's a man after God's heart. I could tell that that guy, that crazy fire lieutenant who's also a pastor, has been with Jesus, has had an encounter. We also, it says this, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Listen, we get to the opportunity to be part of the resurrection. Jesus, everything he did was actually demonstrating that we get access to. Listen, in order for there to be a resurrection, there had to be a death. In order for there to be a resurrection in my life, there had to be a death. Listen, I was an adulterer. I was arrested. I was suicidal and depressed. I was this man that was a cheater and abusive to Nicole. I was a terrible man, but God. I was addicted to pornography. I was addicted to alcohol, but Jesus. And suddenly, something shifted in my life, and I met a Jesus who was amazing. I met a Jesus who was powerful, and I met a Jesus that actually wanted to live inside of me and looked beautiful and had unity in his bride. I met a Jesus that was different than anything anybody had ever told me growing up in a religion. I met a Jesus who was a miracle worker. I met a Jesus who was a healer. I met a Jesus that was resurrected from the dead and wanted to resurrect me from the dead. I was dead to sin. I was dead to depression. I was dead in all these things. But God, but the resurrecting power of God that I get to participate in, that I get to share in, now I get to live forever for him in heaven and on earth. John 10.10, 10, it says that the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, Jesus came to give life, Zoe life, translated, possessed by God life. That's what Zoe means, possessed by God. Life, vigor, an addiction to Jesus. But Jesus came to give life in eternity and life abundantly on earth. That's the life I'm addicted to now. That's the Jesus that I'm addicted to. That he's not dead in a tomb. He's not dead at a grave. He's alive and he gets to live inside me. He gives me hope. Even in those bad days, those, those, those grace days. Listen, I'm still tempted sometimes to believe lies. I'm still tempted sometimes that the old nature may not be dead. And i got to remind him that he's dead and he needs to stay dead. I witnessed this fight going on across the street from my house just a few months ago. And this man was, was abusing this woman and pushing on her and they were cussing at each other. And I went to separate that. And I'll be honest with you, the old Aaron used to love to fight. Believe it or not, I used to love to throw down. John, are you, you with me? I know. John. I used to love it. I, so I'm here in this situation, and I'm like, man, I'd really love to smack this guy right now. I'd really love the old Aaron just to peek out just for a moment, show him who was boss. I'm not even going to do my dad stuff right now. My dad would be like, if you know my dad, 
but I had to intentionally, like consciously, continue to remind myself as I was across the street at this house that the old man's dead. Now all I want to do is hug people and cry. <laughs> Only two things can do that to a man, Jesus and four daughters. <laughs> Listen, the old man's dead. He got to, he got to die. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I am thankful for the new nature. I'm thankful that I'm a lover now and not a fighter. I'm thankful that I'm a crybaby now and not some stoical, emotionless, depressed person. Listen, if you only knew my story. 13 years ago as an atheist, I said, God, if you're real, prove it. I want to cry. That's what I said. I hadn't cried in years. Working full-time as a firefighter, seeing death all the time, having examples for me that were never any shape, form of a hero for a husband. But that's who I had to look up to. And that became hard. And I said, God, if you're real, just prove it. Let me just say that the old Aaron died in a moment in Jesus' presence. The old nature died. The old emotionless, hardened heart died. And I got this new heart, this new, new realm, this new being inside of me. And his name's Jesus. And he's amazing. And I'm offering him to you today. Listen, he gave me purpose. He gave me passion. There's one thing you can say about me. I may not have the biggest theology degree, but I got a story. And I contend for the rest of my life to use it for his glory. I've got a story to make him famous. I may not be perfect. I may have a past. There may be blemishes there. But guess what? I'll walk with a limp because that old man died and there's a limp now that, guess what? I say I never trust anybody without a limp. Why? Because I've been down a road that I don't want to go to again. But Jesus, but God, let me, let me move on here. I may have just shotgun blasted the entire message in those last five minutes. The cross is for salvation. The resurrection is for our life, man. And there's this resurrecting power that God inside of me. And there's this resurrection Jesus that I get to serve and, and who I get to live with and abide in and abide with. Listen, Jesus isn't just this far-off God that, that, I, that I have to, you know, like not approach or, or be afraid to come to. Or only ask for when I need something. Or only praise him when things are going good. No, I get to have communion with my God. I get to sit at his table. I get to dine with him. I get to go hunting with him. Like, like, I love hunting. And I, I love being in a deer stand. I just love these just manly things, right? I don't just cry and hug people, all right? I enjoy coffee, hunting, and CrossFit. Just read my Instagram. Here's the deal, man. I get to do these things with Jesus, and he's my best friend. And I get to be resurrected from my old nature to this new being because he's that amazing. Amen. The cross is for salvation, but the resurrection is for life. And we get this life abundantly, this Zoe life, addicted to him. Let me remind you that in the garden, it started with the tree of life, the same word Zoe, the tree of life. And then in Revelation 22, we go back and we see again the tree of life leading to the throne. And in the middle, there was this tree planted in the center of time, the center of everything, connecting the past, present, and the future called the cross. And it gave us abundant life, and it gives us the resurrecting life, the Zoe life. It's this amazing thing. The moment you believe in Jesus, you get saved. The moment you realize he believes in you, you get transformed. It's this different thing that now I'm, I'm no longer an orphan. Why? Because he promised that he was never going to leave us as orphans. He wasn't going to leave us or forsake us. He was going to come to us. 
now we get to experience that. And it's not a dead God. He's not a boring God. If we ever find somebody talking about a boring God, they haven't read the Bible. People taking up in a whirlwind of fire. People, people teleporting places, disappearing and going to heaven out of nowhere. Walking through walls, walking on water. That's not boring to me. I want to try some of that stuff. Let me reword that. I have tried some of that stuff. I don't yet have the faith to remove my phone from my pocket when I'm trying to walk on water. The band can come. Here's the last couple of days of Jesus, and here's, here's kind of the, the closing here. My, my kids and I, we were, and Nicole, we were, we were just kind of like processing, what did Jesus do in the tomb from the time he got put in there? And John had put him in there to the time where the tomb was found empty and the angel had rolled the stone away. What did he do? Was he alive the whole time or does he resurrect on the third day? You know, Bible technically rose on the third day. But you're like, why? And, and I'll just be honest with you. Why is because every prophecy had to be fulfilled that was predicted. The 300 prophecies dealing with this had to be fulfilled even to the finest little detail. God cares about all of your little details, every desire of your heart he cares about, every little thing that's on your heart, every little thing that you've been through, every little detail down to the number of hairs on your head, down to him calling you by name before you were ever in your mother's womb. He cares about every single little thing about you. This is how amazing he is. So, so we get to this place and and I believe this, I believe it was just the fulfillment of he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So from the time of creation, he rested on the seventh day. And I just fully believe from Palm Sunday to the seventh day was that day in between crucifixion and resurrection. And I believe he just rested on the seventh day. He still values rest, not as a destination, not as an event, but as a way of life. He rested on that seventh day. So then the ladies, they come in and they come in with their, with their ointments and their oils and their spices to, to properly give him respect and honor that he was due to have, have a good burial. And they begin to, to, to go there, and all of a sudden, they see this event had transpired, and the, the, the stone was rolled away, and the tomb was empty. So I was yesterday cutting wood and just doing things around the property, and I, I just I, I had this revelation that why didn't he appear before the women had searched for him and went to the tomb? And here's, here's what I think. I think our God loves to be searched out. I believe our God loves to be discovered. I believe he loves to be found. Like, we're lost, but with him, we're, we're found. I, I think he, too, likes to be found. That's why he gives us the free will to choose him. We already know he chose us. He created us. He died for us. And then he chose us with the spirit of adoption because he loves us that much. Then, he's not only a God that wants to be discovered. He's also a God that wants to be experienced. He wants us to experience him, his nature, his presence, his power. Because then you have doubting Thomas. So a little while later, then he begins to appear to people after the women searched him out. And there was this discovery that the tomb was empty. And he had doubting Thomas say, well, let me see. I, I need to see something to believe. And he, he feels the hands and sees the holes. Listen, God also wants to be experienced. He wants us to have an encounter. He wants us to have an experience. But, but he also wants the dead things to die so that we can have life and life abundantly. This is our God. It's amazing. It's this journey called life. It's this journey called eternity. It's this journey called love. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into this world, in for you and I, 
The world is the cosmos. It's not just for those of us who look pretty. You look pretty. It's not just the people that got their junk together. Like, it's not just the people that that have this, this Christian viewpoint and moral value system. Like, he came into the world that Muslims may believe in him and have eternal life. He came into this world so that people in lifestyle sin can believe in him and have eternal life. So that they can die and resurrect with him because he's alive and he's resurrected. Like, it's not just for the people that we agree with or we think, like, it's all of the world. Even the ones we disagree with. Even the ones that just need Jesus. It's not always pretty. (laughs) I shared a story last week about being flipped off when I didn't deserve it when I was driving my car. Like, I'll take it if I deserve it. Like, fair enough. Sorry, my bad. God bless you. My bad. My apologies. I pulled out in front of you. I cut you off. Whatever. If I deserve it, I'll I'll, I'll take the middle finger, all right? But it makes me mad when I don't deserve it. That's an injustice from heaven. From hell. That's an injustice. There's no injustices in heaven. It's an injustice from hell. So... I share this story how, like, God checks us and, like, man, even when we don't deserve it, we get flipped off. What's our response? Is Christ in us truly the hope of glory? Like, what's our response? Listen, sometimes that's a sign of what the world, because it says that the earth is moaning and groaning for the sons of God to manifest. Let me, let me just expound on what that means. The unsafe people in this world are moaning and groaning and they're complaining and they don't know what they're mad at and they're sometimes giving the church a middle finger. They're sometimes giving God a middle finger. They're giving these things that are more that, that the middle finger because they don't have a moral compass of the greatness of God. Now, I know it's not the greatest place to take your kids on Easter when these that pastor's talking about giving people the middle finger. Matt shares with me. Matt, Matt texts me on, on like Tuesday, I think, right? Somewhere in there, early in the week. He's like, bro, you're not going to believe this. He's like, I, for the first time ever in my life, just got flipped off in the car. And I had a group of guys with me in the car, and I got to demonstrate Christ's love to them through your story, and it prepared me for this guy to flip me off when I didn't deserve it at the four-way stop. It was clearly my turn. I think, I think, in parentheses, it was clearly my turn. Something like that. I was pretty confident, something like that. But here's the deal. That is the earth moaning and groaning. Listen, people talking about the church. Me as an atheist, I didn't believe that the word of God was true, was the infallible word of God, was the absolute truth. Why? Because I didn't believe in the God of the word. All of a sudden, once I believed the God of the word, I believed the word of God. Because something got inside of me where my old nature died, and I got to take on this new name called Jesus. I got a ring put on my finger. I got sandals. I got the robe out. I like the prodigal was home. And <laughs> father was celebrating because his son was lost. And then I got found. Why don't you stand with me? I told my wife I'd have us home by 1 o'clock to get changed to go to the dinner. So I've got to close this thing. Good, right, babe? Yeah. Man, God, God is so good. Listen, I don't know where you're at with the Lord. I, I don't know. I, I see several new faces here today. And listen, I, I, I want to celebrate you right now. Like there, I, I heard these messages, and I, I listened to this message a while back on Christmas or something. 
and they were condemning the people that only came for Christmas and Easter. It's like, man, if you only come here twice a year, I hope you get a word inside of you that will carry you to the next six, seven months. I do. I just love you. And I don't care if this is your first and last time here or if you come every week after this, like, or if you find another church that's a better fit for you. We want you plugged into the family of God, and it doesn't matter what building you're going to go to. Like, that's not important to me. Where's your heart, man? Where's your, did you meet this Jesus? And can people tell that you've been with Jesus because there's a transformation that took place because now you realize he not only loves you, he died for you, he created you, he adopted you, but he likes you. Not only loves you, he likes you. That's what changed my life. When I began to realize I'm a son of the living God, he calls me child, he calls me friend, he calls me son, he calls me his beloved, he calls me holy, he calls me worthy. I not only study what God calls himself, I study what God calls me. Why? Because that's the truth of my identity, not what the world's trying to tell me I'm not. Amen. Amen. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if this is your first time here. I don't know if, if this is your first time in church ever. I don't know if this is the first time ever hearing the goodness of Jesus. Us church people, we get really good about talking about the fear of God. We get really good about talking about condemnation and sin and these things. Jesus paid a price for that that I don't have to dwell on it too much. I get to talk about how he forgave it and how he loves you and how, how his power of his resurrection took care of it. Yeah, I don't have to worry about if you tied or not. I don't have to worry about if you got a tobacco issue or any of this stuff. Man, that's the outside of the tomb. That's the outside of the, the cup, man. Jesus wants to live on the inside of you and transform that. I don't need to. I don't need to even talk about most of that stuff, right? Why? Because if I can talk about his goodness and you get that deep-rooted inside of you, all that other stuff and us church world people talk about, all that junk just follows. Why? Because your heart's right. <sighs> man. That's the good news. That's the good news gospel. He's victorious. He wins. And when we're in his family, we're in the kingdom, we're in his bride, it's beautiful for one, and for two, we win. Listen, I want to I wanna pray. And uh, I'm going to just lead you through a prayer as if it's your first time accepting Jesus in your heart. All right? We're just going to do this together and not make anybody feel uncomfortable. But there's going to be an invitation at the end. If you said this for the first time, we'd love to meet with you love to talk with you. We'd love to talk about what your new journey looks like, your new life, your new creation, and this new wild, fun, adventurous ride with the Lord. It's a great start. It's a great ride. Trust me. 13 years of amazingness after 25 of misery. Yes, I'm 38. Some of you are like, how is this, Pastor? Lord, just say this after me. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross, for paying a price for my sin. We thank you for forgiving my sin, for burying my bad choices in the bottom of the ocean, for giving me as far as the east is to the west. So I ask for you to live in my heart today. And I ask for the strength to live for you today. Lord, you say today is a day of salvation. So I receive you and your gift. Fill me with your love, with your power, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for conquering death, hell, and the grave. Thank you that I can resurrect with you. 
that I can live a life and life abundantly with you. That I may dwell in your house forever. That I may live in the heaven realm here on earth and one day in heaven. In Jesus' name.